Father in heaven, we've read that some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. We're calling upon you. We are asking that you would be our teacher, that you would make sense of your word, that you would apply it to our lives through the Holy Spirit, and that we all would respond the way you want us to respond. We ask and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> when I was in kindergarten, I was introduced to a program called Show and Tell. I didn't come from a family that had a lot to show, but I came from a long line of tellers. And so I recognized, huh, my first stage. And I began to share stories. I don't know how often I shared stories, but often enough that it became a big hit with the rest of the class. I was telling stories about my pet squirrel, Sparky. Now, Sparky lived in our basement, and Sparky was well-trained. He loved me. I loved him. He would often ride on my shoulder. I would feed him nuts, and we would have all kinds of adventures in the basement together. And one day, the school teacher called my mother, and she said, Mrs. Arnold, we are so intrigued with your son's pet squirrel, Sparky. The entire class wants to come over to the house and meet him. And my mother said, that would be wonderful. They're welcome. But Jerry does not have a pet squirrel named Sparky. I started to learn at that point that truth matters. <laughs> and that's what we're studying today. Truth matters. In fact, it's a life and death issue. We're going through the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. We look at Matthew 7 and we're going to read verses 15 through 20. Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Jesus is talking about false prophets. <clears throat> Two words in English, one word in Greek, pseudoprophetus. It's a compound word. Pseudo by itself is a falsehood. It is a lie could be translated lying. In this context, it's religious falsehood. It's the perversion of religious truth. It is false religion. Pseudo-prophetus is a false prophet who claims to speak by divine inspiration, 
whether predicting future events or as a teacher of doctrine. Now that was a problem in Jesus' day. When Jesus died, was buried, and went to heaven, it was a problem after that. We find in the book of Acts, chapter 20, as Paul is touring many of the churches that he had a part in starting, he's saying goodbye to them because he's on his way to Jerusalem, and everyone is concerned he will be arrested there, and he will be. And he says this in one of his sermons in Acts chapter 20, verses 29 and 30. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Paul was warning the people in his day. When we go to Jesus again in Matthew chapter 24, he is describing events that will be taking place in the last days of earth's history. We go to Matthew 24, verse 24. Jesus says this, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even the elect. This is an important topic today. It was important in Jesus' day. It was important in Paul's day. It is important in our day. Who are these false teachers, false prophets? How do they work? What do they do? And how can we know? Matthew 7, verse 15. Again, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. These people are dangerous. They're deceptive. Beware, Jesus says of them. Now that word translated in other ways would be pay attention, be cautious. This is a dangerous thing. They come in sheep's clothing. It means they look like and interact with God's people. Yet they speak perverse things, as Paul says. And that simply means they distort, they misinterpret, and they corrupt what is true. So if we were to add these definitions together, this is what we would be hearing Jesus say. Pay attention. Be cautious. Teachers will come claiming to speak for God, but they will distort, misinterpret, and corrupt the truths of God. Jesus says in verse 15, they are ravenous wolves. This is not describing their personality. Likely they'll be very winsome. Likely they'll have some appeal, some charm, some charisma. That's what makes them effective. When, he, when they're called ravenous wolves, it means extremely dangerous. They do all they can to distort the need of going through the narrow gate or to make it hard to find the narrow gate 
Jesus spoke about in verse 13. Let's read it. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, for there are many who go in by it. He goes on to say, the narrow gate leads to life. We studied that last week. So the ravenous wolves are extremely dangerous. They're doing everything they can to distort the need of the narrow gate. Or if you sense the need of the narrow gate, they're trying to make it hard to find the narrow gate. These are agents of the devil. Let's look at an example from the Old Testament. You can hold your hand here, we'll be back. Turn to the left all the way to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 23. We're going to the time period in Jerusalem just before the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. Jeremiah is the prophet warning them of that destruction to come. But while he is warning the people of the destructions to come, the judgment of God that is impending, there are false prophets there. And they're described in chapter 23, verses 16 and 17. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak a vision of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. They're speaking of their own, not by the authority of God. They continually say to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come upon you. The false prophets in Jeremiah's day claimed there would be no judgment on those not following the Lord. In fact, they despised God. But the false prophets are saying, no need to worry. God is so merciful, there will be no judgment. The people despise God, and it goes on to say they did whatever came into their hearts, and they were taught, don't worry, there will be no consequences at all. In Jeremiah 8, they're also described, and here's what it says, verses 11 and 12. It says, for they have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly. It means superficially. Saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. Therefore they shall fall among those who fall in the time of their punishment. They shall be cast down, says the Lord. These false prophets have convinced the people, peace, peace, everything will be fine. These folks are involved in abominations, but they're not ashamed. They're being told, don't worry about it. You'll be just fine. God's good with it. You'll not suffer as a result of the decisions and choices you are making. So we find False prophets set the people up in their sins for judgment. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. So if we were to 
flush this verse out. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. We would say this, pay attention, be cautious. Teachers will come claiming to speak for God, but will distort, misinterpret, and corrupt the truths of God. They will claim that God's mercy is so great there will be no consequences or judgment against those practicing or believing abominable things. Jesus tells us how to know. Verse 16, you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? When we see the word fruits, those who have been reading the Bible for a time, you will recognize that it is relating to character, to conduct. In fact, the fruit of the Spirit is a reflection of Christ-likeness. And uh, we're told in Galatians that that would be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So Jesus is saying, look for that. What type of character do they have? What type of conduct do they demonstrate? Now, those of you who are familiar with what happened in Waco a number of years ago, you'll recognize that David Koresh may have started out uh, very um, concerned and um, very sincere person, but once he got his group together and they were swallowed, swallowing what he was teaching, he, he was he was practicing pedophilia right before them. Not that they were watching it, but they knew it was happening. They should have bailed then, they didn't. There was something about he had sucked them in so deep and it cost many of them their lives. By their character, by their conduct. And I will tell you, as important as that is, that may be the hardest one to detect. Because people that are truly good at this are deceivers. They know what to say. They know when to say it. And they know where to say it. And it kind of keeps people off guard. They don't know what they're really seeing. So Jesus has given us more. In verses 17 and 20, he explains even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. So there's another test, a second fruit, if you will. When we take what Jesus says here, and follow up with what he says later in Matthew 12, it becomes very clear to us. Matthew 12, verse 33. Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man 
out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, by your words you will be condemned. The first fruit is character and conduct. The second fruit is the actual teaching, the words of the person, of the prophet or the teacher. Jesus is teaching us here that a person's heart is revealed by their words. A tree is known by its fruit. A teacher must be tested by their teaching. Is it sound doctrine? Is it encouraging, strengthening, holy living? Sound doctrine and holy living are the marks of a true prophet or a true teacher. God is a holy God, and his people will seek holiness as he has directed them. <clears throat> There's a third test, and that is the effect of their teaching on their followers. What does it do to the people who listen to this, who follow it? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, we have some insight into that. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning with verse 16. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. So what happens to vain babblings? They increase to more ungodliness. False teaching will take us where? Ungodliness. Goes on. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort. He calls people out by name. Written in the scriptures. For 2,000 years we've read about these guys who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. So a false teacher is going to increase ungodliness. Their message will spread like a cancer, which means it's this pervasive, never seeming to go away thing that grows, who have strayed concerning the truth, Saying that the resurrection is already past, they overthrow the faith of some. It goes on. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having the seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Let me translate that word for you. The followers of Jesus depart from sin. He saves us. From sin. When sin is a part of our life and we're encouraged to stay in it, that message is coming from a false prophet or a false teacher. God's Spirit is calling us out of sin. So we see three tests character and conduct, the actual teaching of the prophet or teacher and the effects of the teachings leading either to godliness or ungodliness. So when we think of godliness or ungodliness, the narrow way versus the wide way, it begs the question, 
How can we know? How can we know? What attitudes or, or behaviors are so bad we cannot get to heaven if we are practicing them? Did you know that there are lists given in the Bible just to answer that question? Very clear lists. And I don't know which one is more important than another, but I'm going to give you four lists today. And I'm just going to do it according to how they came in the Bible. So we'll start with 1 Corinthians. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Here's why we're looking at these lists. I want you to pay attention. I want you to be attentive. Because if you find yourself on this, one of these lists, you're not going to heaven. It's a serious study today. If you find yourself on the list and someone is encouraging you, it's okay to be on that list. You're listening to a false teacher. This is the Word of God. This is what God says. He's the judge. He knows. He is the one who will determine who gets to go to heaven or not. Each of, this of, of the things on these lists will say, and the people practicing these cannot go to heaven. You'll see it. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Now here comes a list. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. You want good news? Not one of those things on the list is so strong or powerful it can't be overcome by Jesus. Look, verse 11 says that. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. If you're on that list, it's time to get right with the Lord. It's time to ask for forgiveness. It's time to seek humbly for his spirit to fill you and put your will on the side of God and gain victory. We go to Galatians chapter 5, another list. In Galatians chapter 5, we begin in verse 16. Paul says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Watch this list. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions. That's an argumentative spirit. Jealousies, outbursts of wrath, got anger issues, 
Selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Study that list. If you're like me, you like the other list better. Do you see our need of Jesus? You see our need to walk in the Spirit? To humble ourselves before God and say, I need help, Lord. Ephesians chapter 5, another list. We'll start with verse 3. Ephesians used to be in my Bible. <laughs> there we go. It moved this week. Ephesians 5, verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you it says, with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. One more list, Revelation 21. Revelation 21, verses 7 and 8. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Jesus says, pay attention. Be cautious, teachers will come claiming to speak for God, but they will distort, misinterpret, and corrupt the truths of God. They will claim that God's mercy is so great, there will be no consequences or judgment against those practicing or believing abominable things. I reiterate, truth matters. So I have a question for you. Is there anyone here today who would like to say to the Lord, I want to be on your side, Lord. I do not want to be deceived by popular teachings, by slick-worded false teachers and prophets. I want a clear, thus saith the Lord, for how I live my life. And I'm asking 
for forgiveness for my sin. I'm asking for Jesus to save me, to come into my heart, to fill me with the Holy Spirit, and help me by your grace, Lord, to get off those lists. There's only one list you want to be on. It's the names of those written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Do you want your name there or on one of these other lists? If you want your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, then stand up and let the Lord know. Loving Father in heaven, we thank you that you have provided a Savior for us, saving us from our sins and giving us victory. We don't want to be on the wrong list. We want to be written in the book of life. And we're asking by your grace to forgive us, to fill us with your Holy Spirit, and to help us walk humbly and victoriously with you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.